0: At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, it is kind of the end of the Christmas season. And in this Christmas season, we have been talking about God with us here at Wildwood. One of the the nicknames or titles that was given to Jesus is the title of Emmanuel, which is Hebrew for God with us. And all month long, we have been studying and looking at what God with us means in the scripture related to Jesus' birth, but also for us in our lives. But as we we gather here today, um, we're kind of ending this season, And as we end the Christmas season, so many things begin to change, don't they? Uh, Does that make anyone a little bit sad? It makes me a little bit sad. Greg and I have had this conversation before. Right after this service, or after the the 11 o'clock service, if you want to stay, we're going to be taking down decorations in this room. We're always a little sad. Uh, because just the, the lights and, and all of those things, it's a little sad when we change the look of the room. And, and many of your homes will change. Your Christmas lights come down off of your house. The decorations are boxed up. There are many things that change at this time of year. But the question I think we need to ask ourselves, is there any part of Christmas, is there any part of God with us that we should keep out all year round? Is there any part of that 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 we shouldn't box up for the next 11 months, only to get out next year? Well, friends, I I believe there is a lot for us to remember, and there is a very important truth for us to consider, and that is the fact that God is still with us. Amen? Amen? He didn't just come and visit, but he has come to stay. We're going to talk more about what that means today. This is something that is echoed throughout the scripture. In Psalm 139, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There is no place we can go on this earth or off of this earth away from the presence of our God. We're reminded of that in Psalm 139. Not only that, but Jesus made a promise right as he gave the great commission before his ascension. Not only did he give a command, but he also gave a promise. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. But he finished with this incredible promise, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, the age isn't over. Jesus is with us. Amen. God is still with us. But this morning, as impactful as it would be for us to talk about Matthew 28 or Psalm 139, I want us to look instead at a very central part of Scripture dealing with the concept of God with us, and it's John chapter 14 through chapter 16. In a sense, this is part 7 of the God with us series, but Even more importantly, it is something that reminds us that God is still with us even today through the work of the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus ascended back to the Father, he talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit with his followers. They recorded it in Scripture so that you and I might be encouraged by it today. So this morning as we gather, as we begin a new year, let's talk about how God is still with us in the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see five things in John chapters 14 through 16. We won't read that entire section, but I would encourage you at some point this week to read John 14 through 16. We're just going to scratch the surface, but there's amazing truth in there that reminds us that God is with us and he's with us in the work of the Holy Spirit. So what do we see in these verses today? Well, the first thing we need to see about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is inside us. The Holy Spirit is inside us, and by us, I mean those who have trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. If you have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, if you embrace him as the Son of God, then the Holy Spirit has come to reside inside of your life. Now, we see this as Jesus talks to his disciples. I mentioned that this is chapters 14 through 16, but the setup for John chapter 14 through 16. Was Jesus talking about how He was getting ready to leave? He was talking about how He was going to be crucified and resurrected, and the disciples were beginning to get concerned. And Peter asked a question in John 13:36. He says to, to Jesus, "Lord, where are you going?" I don't think Peter was asking a question because he was concerned about Jesus. I think Peter was asking the question because he was concerned about Peter and his friends. They'd put all their hope in Jesus and now he was leaving. In a sense, Peter might have been saying, Lord, this is a scary world and it's getting scarier. You can't leave now. And in a sense, you and I can relate to Peter, can't we? There are plenty of moments when we wake up and we think, I can't do this alone. For those of us that have had those kinds of feelings, who have asked these kinds of questions, Jesus provides an extended answer in John 14 through 16. One of the things he tells them in that section is found in verses 16 through 18, when he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Peter says, where are you going, Jesus? Why are you leaving? And Jesus says, I will not leave you as an orphan in this world. Amen? Jesus Christ looks at us in our fear, in our feelings of isolation. And he says to us, I will not leave you as an orphan, but I will come to you. And I will come to you as I send one to be with you. Not just to be with you, but to be in you. And not just to be in you, but to be in you forever. Now this is a remarkable statement and something that no person in the Old Testament could ever say. All of the greats of the Old Testament had experiences with the Holy Spirit of God, but they were occasional. God would come, and God would leave. God would come, and God would leave. Or his presence was situational. The glory of the Lord was in the temple, in one city, in one location. But what Jesus said was, I'm getting ready to establish a new dynamic. A dynamic that says, I will be with you no matter where you are, and I will be in you, not just around you, and I will stay forever and ever and ever. And the way that he makes that possible is that he sends another helper. We've talked throughout this series about how God exists eternally as a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Three persons, one God. And what Jesus says is, when I go, I'm going to send to you the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in you forever. Now that is an amazing amazing statement. I also think it's 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 wonderful how he describes the Holy Spirit here. He doesn't just say Holy Spirit, he says what? Helper. He says helper. What does that word imply? Well, it implies someone who helps. Not someone who takes us out? Not someone who knocks us out? Not someone who slays us, but someone who comes alongside us to encourage our soul, to empower us to do the things that God has called us to do, that reminds us of truth. The Holy Spirit here is, in a very personal way, described as a helper who will come and reside within us, who will come alongside us, and who will never leave. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan but I'm going to to establish this dynamic in your life. And this is not something for everyone. Those who are in the world who have not received it do not receive that gift. But if we have trusted in Christ, the gift of the Spirit is for us. And his Spirit has come to reside within us. The Holy Spirit inside us. Friends, if you are feeling alone or isolated and you want intimacy with God, it doesn't get more intimate than trusting Christ and finding God himself residing, not in a building far away, but in your very soul. The Holy Spirit inside us, Jesus talks about this. But a second thing we need to see. It's not just the Holy Spirit inside us. But Jesus says that the Holy Spirit inside us is better than Jesus beside us. Now, that doesn't make sense to us, does it? The Holy Spirit inside us is better than Jesus beside us. But this is precisely what Jesus says. Jesus said in John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, imagine you're the disciples. Imagine you're us. That doesn't make sense. Why could it be to our advantage, to our advantage, to the disciples' advantage that Jesus would ascend back to heaven? Jesus said that it's so. And the reason why he said it is because he said, if I go, I'm going to send this helper. What Jesus was saying was, it is better for the spirit to be inside of us than for Jesus to be beside us. In what way is it better? Well, John 14, 12 gives us a clue. Jesus, as he was talking to the disciples, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now, an important distinction needs to be made here. Jesus was not saying that the works that his followers would do would be better in quality than the works that Jesus did. That's impossible, right? Right? I mean, he's Jesus. The works he did were amazing. They were awesome. But what he's saying is, by going and then sending the Spirit, the quantity of these works would increase. When Jesus came to the earth, where did he live? Serious question. Where did he live? I mean, we don't have to give the address. Get, get close. Yeah. yeah, Nazareth in Israel in Galilee. He spent time in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem. All those places are are very close to one another. They're, They're kind of like in the state of, we think of the state of New Jersey. That's about the size of Israel. Jesus spent his earthly life there. That means that if you lived in South Africa or you lived in Oklahoma at that time, God was very far away in one location in the Middle East. But when Jesus ascends and then sends his spirit, not just into the hearts and lives of the 12, but into the hearts and lives of all who trust in him, guess where the work goes? Everywhere. Everywhere. So that when Peter stands up and speaks at the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people believe so that when the disciples are, are living out their ministry and traveling around the Mediterranean, Jesus is going with them through the work of the Spirit. And when you and I operate and live our lives inside of Norman, Oklahoma, guess who also is here? Guess who also is at work? The Holy Spirit of God is working through us. And so we're reminded that it is, it is better for Jesus to ascend and for the Spirit to to come, but two things I want to just point out here. One, one of the things that we, we might say is, Well, if, if that's what's happened, what is Jesus doing now? What is Jesus doing now? I mean, if Jesus has ascended, is he retired? No, he's not retired, he's, he's risen, he's not retired. What's he doing now? Right now, he is interceding for us continually before the Father. We have an advocate in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Interceding for us in heaven. We we know this not just because other verses in the scripture tell us this, but in the very same section of the scripture, in John 17, what does Jesus do? Jesus prays for his followers. He was already interceding for them. It was as if to say, I'm going to go and and I'm going to give you a preview of what I'm doing in heaven. I'm going to pray for your unity. I'm going to pray for your impact. I'm going to pray for your souls. But in the meantime, I'm going to send the Spirit to continue a different work or continue the work I did in a different way through you upon this earth. That's what Jesus is doing. That's what the Spirit is doing. But but a second thing you might ask is, okay, well, if that's what Jesus does, that's what Spirit's doing, but why do we have to choose? Can't we have both? And the answer to that is quite simple, friends. We will have both. That's what the future is for. When Jesus comes back to this earth and reigns in his kingdom, and in the new heaven and the new earth, as Jesus reigns over all and makes all things new, the Spirit, the Son, and us will be together forever. But right now, in the wisdom of God, in his sovereign plan, Jesus is interceding for us on high, and the Spirit has been sent to do his work. This is something that was promised in the Old Testament related to what would happen when the new covenant, the new operating system we talked about a few weeks ago, would be established. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 27 says it this way. He says, when this new covenant is established, God says, I will put my spirit within you. Again, a change, something new would happen. It was something that was prophesied long ago. And so, friends, we need to remember that the Holy Spirit inside us is better than Jesus beside us. And we need to carry that truth with us and that perspective with us as we go about our weeks. You know, it is, it is good. You might think, wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus just came over for dinner today? because I would love to, for, to introduce him to my family or I would love to introduce him to my neighbors. I'd love it if he went to school with me to meet my friends. I'd love it if he came to my next practice for my soccer team. Yes, all of those things, it would be wonderful. But in the sovereign plan of God, how does that happen today? It happens today because of God's good plan to send his spirit and God will show up in all of those venues and more through his work in you. So as you go about your new year, walk with dignity. Walk with purpose. God wants to minister to the world in which you reside through the work of the Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is inside us. And the Holy Spirit inside us is better than Jesus beside us. But a third thing we learn about the Spirit inside of these verses is this. The Holy Spirit inside us guides us to truth. The Holy Spirit inside us guides us to truth. I I love what is said by Jesus in John 14, 17. He calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. He is not a spirit of error. He is a spirit of truth. Meaning whatever the spirit does is accurate whatever the spirit leads towards is the truth and the way this gift that that Jesus has given this helper that is to come is serving us and encouraging us and coming alongside us by pointing out truth now for the disciples this had a a particularly interesting application Jesus said, the Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You know, the Gospels were not written immediately. These are not videotapes. These were things that were written decade or two after the events transpired. And so some have have said that, and they have said, well, that means that they must be full of errors. That's a long enough time for some myths to develop. But there's problems with that view. First of all, the problem is that it wasn't others who wrote these things down. Eyewitness accounts delivered us the truth of Jesus. But the second thing that is forgotten in this is that God made a promise that his spirit would guide these men, disciples to accurately relay the important truths about Jesus' first coming. The Spirit would bring to their mind the important things that they were to share. And with amazing clarity and amazing consistency, without the benefit of videotapes, they recount for us the work and ministry of Jesus Christ so that you and I might, might benefit from it today. The Holy Spirit did that. But guess what else the Holy Spirit does? Not just preserving the scripture and delivering it to us, but also, friends, at work in us, who the spirit, where the spirit resides, at work in us, guiding us also into the truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Friends, this is an amazing, amazing statement. God has not just given us scripture. That would be awesome but he's also given us his spirit to help us make sense of the scripture. Have you ever had a thought, you know, I don't know that I can read and really understand the scripture. You know, I'll, I'll leave that to the professionals. I'll come on Sunday and have somebody else tell me what this means. That's, that's really a thought that, that we can have from time to time. But when we think that way, we are minimizing the work that God has promised to do in our souls, and that is to give His Spirit to guide us into an accurate understanding of His truth. Now, this doesn't mean that every sense, every inclination that any Christian has about the Scripture is accurate. We're, we're sinful people, right? And there is value in us getting together and talking about it and comparing our understanding and study of scripture so that collectively God might guide us as a church to a greater understanding of his truth. But we do not do even that work alone. God has given his spirit to guide us into truth. Now, doesn't that encourage you to to read and study scripture? I mean, This is that time of year where you're probably making some New Year's resolutions, and I'm guessing that a few of you have made some resolutions to to, to grow in your faith this year and maybe have some kind of a a reading the Bible plan application awaiting you in the days ahead. I know I I started another year-long Bible reading plan just this morning. You, like me, might be doing that same thing. Doesn't it encourage you to read the scripture knowing that the Holy Spirit is right there along with you to help you understand it? We're not just reading words on a page. God shows up and guides us into the truth. That I cause us to, to pray as we sit down to study and saying, Lord, guide me into an understanding of your word today that I might know you more and more and more. I got to tell you, it also gives me great confidence as as a preacher. You know, when I stand up here, it's not just me trying to explain stuff. It's not just me talking and filling some time. But I actually believe that as you come to know Jesus and you trust in him, that his spirit resides in you. And as these words are shared and reflected on, hopefully there's work that is happening on the interior of your life. And evidence of that is I'll stand up and preach and people will come forward and say, Pastor, my heart was encouraged this way. And I'm like, I didn't even say that, but amen. (laughs) How is that possible? It's possible because God is at work. His spirit resides in us and guides us into truth. That ought to give us confidence to open his word, to read it and to study it, knowing that he is there with us in the process. The Holy Spirit inside us guides us to truth. But there's a, another thing that the Spirit does that Jesus reminds us of. And that is that the Holy Spirit inside us points others to Jesus. The Holy Spirit inside us points others to Jesus. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit exalts the Son, the Spirit exalts Jesus. The Spirit doesn't exalt the Spirit. Would be appropriate. The Spirit is is very God also, but the Spirit's work highlights the Son. This is something that Jesus talked about in John fifteen and John sixteen. He says, "When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about who, about Jesus, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning." In other words. The spirit is bearing witness about Jesus. Where is the spirit? The spirit is inside who? Inside us. Therefore, the spirit inside us will bear witness about Jesus as well. And then in John 16, the spirit, he says, Jesus says, will glorify me, will glorify Jesus. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. The Spirit gives testimony and witness to the Lord Jesus Christ that he might receive the glory and the honor. Now, this ought to remind us of a very famous verse in Acts 1.8. What did Jesus say before his ascension to his disciples? You will receive power when what comes? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be what? My witnesses in jerusalem and judea samaria and the ends of the earth what was jesus saying jesus was connecting the dots to what he had told them about 40 days prior when he said this is what the spirit is going to do the spirit is going to come and permanently reside within you and the spirit will be reminding you about me and the spirit will be glorifying me so that those around you will be pointed to me So Jesus said as a promise to the disciples, when my spirit comes, you can't help but give testimony to me because your identity, your hope is anchored in me. This is God's plan, and he sent his spirit to guarantee it. How is the word going to go to the ends of the earth? The word goes to the ends of the earth as we share it but we don't share it alone and we don't share it without power. We share it as the spirit works in and through us. Warren Wiersbe has a, a, a great reflection on this when he says this. He says, sometimes we hear people pray, Lord, send your spirit to speak to the lost. May the spirit go from heart to heart. Such praying is no doubt sincere, but is it biblical? The spirit does not float in some ghostly way up and down the rows of a church building seeking to win the lost the holy spirit works through the people in whom he lives when the holy spirit came at pentecost he empowered peter to preach and the preaching of the word brought conviction to those who heard now you might think wait a minute this is an exaggeration okay maybe in a little bit but the point is rock solid the point is god sent the spirit to reside in our hearts So that when we open our mouths, if we are faithful to that calling, we will talk about Jesus and the Spirit will do this amazing thing that as we talk about Jesus and give testimony to Him, God will be at work drawing other men and women to Himself because that is what the Spirit does. You know, oftentimes we are shy or hesitant to share our faith with others because we just think, well, I don't have the words or I'm not smart enough, we we hesitate in different ways because we look only to ourselves. Jesus told the disciples, hey, amazing things, greater things than these are going to happen through you, but they will happen through you, not because of you, but almost in spite of you. Because my spirit will be at work drawing men and women to myself. You just be faithful and allow me to work. How would it change the way that you share your faith in 2023 if you knew that God was at work? Well, friends, we know that God is at work because his spirit is inside us and his spirit is drawing and pointing people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit inside us points others to Jesus. Let's live like that's true and share this great hope with the world around us. But there's a a fifth point, a fifth thing that Jesus says, not just that the Spirit is going to point others to himself, but Jesus also says this. He says, the Holy Spirit inside us will empower us to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit inside us will empower us to follow Jesus. It's important for us to see chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, really, of John as really being one coherent unit of thought because oftentimes we kind of exacto knife out the beginning of john 14 beginning of john 14 says you know hey i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me he is inviting them reminding them to keep trusting in him and in my father's house jesus says there are many rooms if it were not so i would not tell you In other words, we're going to be together again one day. I'm going to send you the Spirit now, but we're going to be together again later. But also in chapter 15, Jesus gives this amazing message that oftentimes we disconnect from the other parts. And that is this message about the vine and the branches. Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me... You can do nothing. We're familiar with those verses, but they're right here in the middle of the context of his treatise on the Holy Spirit. So we need to connect those dots. Jesus makes this statement. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me remains in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What's Jesus saying? What he's saying is what it looks like for us to abide in Christ, what it looks like for us to be dependent upon the Spirit is a life that has the character and the tone and the aroma of obedience. That our lives are are changed and that we go from living for ourselves to following Him. Now I know some of you might be, be saying, well, are you saying perfection?" No, I'm not talking about perfection here, because we still live this new life in Christ in the old address of the flesh, and we will continue to, to sin and to fall short until God calls us home in glory. But what I am saying is not perfection, I'm saying direction. What direction is your life headed? Who are you following? Who are you obeying? If, if the Spirit is really who we are relying upon, one of the things we know is that the Spirit will lead us in the direction of following Christ. Abiding in Christ, dependent upon the Spirit, leads to a life that is following the commandments that Jesus gave. This is something that was talked about in the Old Testament verses that promise the new covenant that promised the new operating system that Jesus would establish. There was this component of obedience wrapped up inside of what they said. In Ezekiel 36 that we saw earlier, it says, I will put my spirit within you. To what end? And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Obedience, a changed life, a changed heart, are on the other side of our dependence upon the Holy Spirit in our lives jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-three. for for this is the covenant that i will make with the house of israel after those days declares the lord this is the way it's going to be when the new covenant is established in jesus christ god says i will put my law within them and i will write it on their hearts i will be their god and they shall be my people our conduct matters to god God desires that we walk in obedience to him. That's why he gave us his spirit to empower us in that direction. Not just Old Testament verses talk about this. New Testament ones do as well. Galatians chapter 5, a quintessential passage in the epistles on the Holy Spirit. The apostle Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walking with God, trusting in the Spirit, leads to a life of obedience. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit is going someplace, friends. It's not just out there giving us warm fuzzies. It's going in the direction of obedience to Christ. And if we are trusting in God and we are relying upon the Spirit, we will keep in step with the Spirit and walk in the direction of obedience We see this in these verses we see this in this passage and so I just would offer this summary for us dependence upon the spirit leads to obedient lives dependence on the spirit leads to obedient lives it affects our actions not just our affections when we talk about something like the Spirit, we, we, we often think, well, that just makes me feel better. And make, to make sure, it does. I mean, that is one of the works of the Spirit to encourage us when we are downtrodden, to encourage us with the hope of the future. That is the work of the Spirit. But it's not the only work of the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't just make us feel better about our current situation. The Spirit points out a direction and then empowers us to get there. Dependence upon the Spirit leads to obedient lives. And so I just would say to us as we begin this new year what would it look like, understanding that the Holy Spirit has come to reside within you? What would it look like for you to walk with God in dependence and in obedience, believing that His Spirit can empower you to do what you previously thought impossible? You might think, I can't walk away from that temptation. I can't walk away from that pattern of living. God, Jesus would say, there is another way. Not in yourself, but in my power. Jesus says, I will give it to you. And, and that power comes, again, not to slay us, not to knock us out, not to take us out. That spirit comes to be a what? A helper, to come alongside us, to encourage us, to remind us of truth, and to empower us to walk that way. But as it does that, we have to respond. Will we respond this year to the gift that God has given and trust in his spirit to guide us in the days ahead? Friends, God is still with us. Can we say that together? God is still with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this this day. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to study it. Thank you for your spirit, which is at work to guide us into truth and to help us, not just to hear it once, but to remember it and to draw on it and to depend on it and to have it shape and change our lives. Thank you for this ongoing gift that you have given to us Our hope is not in sentiment that that gets boxed up at the end of a season, but we have a living hope because we have a living savior and a living spirit that has come to reside within us. And so we give you the glory and the honor and we sing of that hope and praise now in Jesus' name.